Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, A.J. Hogue, where A.J.'s more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's A.J. with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English. Learn to speak English like a native. I'm the father of the Effortless English system that trains you to speak English fluently, speak English powerfully, speak English confidently, think in English, speak English effortlessly. When you Commit, join and commit to my VIP program today at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Train your English with me. Commit. Go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Welcome, welcome to the live show. Live on Facebook today, we are finishing our book, Finishing the Book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Decided to finish the book. These last two chapters, I feel, are a little bit um, weaker. There's not as much in them, so I think we can easily do both chapters today and finish the book. Another book finished in our Effortless English Book Club, you know, learning English with books. Now, because we're live, everybody's saying hello in the comments on Facebook, live on Facebook right now. From lots of countries, as usual, Sudan, Brazil, Poland, Iraq, India, Brazil again, Ukraine, Ukraine again, Poland again. Turkey, Vietnam, Egypt, etc., etc., etc. Lots of countries. Let's just get started, shall we? Um, I think we can move quickly through these two chapters, and then I'll, you know, go to the comments and questions as usual. You can share your ideas about these two habits and uh, ask questions, anything you want. So let's go ahead and go. Let's just get started, shall we? Do, 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 move to a, there's a picture of my ebook here on the screen. All right, so you can see now we have, uh, go back one more. Habit number six synergize. Synergize. What does that mean? Principles of creative cooperation. All right, so we're learning the word today, synergy, synergy. A lot of businesses use this word. It's a little bit, you know, this book's a bit old. And a lot of businesses, big companies, kind of, I think they were influenced, influenced by this book. Because this word in business became quite popular. Synergy, synergy, synergy. Uh, in fact, it became so popular in big business, it became a little bit of a joke, you know, because uh, the businesses were using it too much, big corporations. Um, but anyway, what's the word mean? What is synergy? Synergy. All right, well, here he says, what is synergy? It means the whole, the whole is greater than the sum, the addition, of the parts. That's what it means. Let me explain that. Synergy. It means sometimes, let's say you have four parts. A team. We'll use a human team, for example. A human team. Any, it doesn't matter. Business, sports, music, whatever. You have a human team. And you have four people on the team. Each one has ability. Each one has skill. Intelligence, creativity, right? Each one has strong points. Each one has weak points. So it's four. You put them together as a team. But as a team, somehow they work together so well. They, they 
help each other so much that they become better than four individuals. It's like they have five people or six people or ten people, right? They are as good as five or ten or more people, right? It seems like it should be just, okay, four people, then they'll be as good as each, you know, each person. If you add them up, that's what that's how good they will be. That's how productive they will be. But sometimes they're better than the parts. We see this in sports, for example. Sometimes we'll have a team. I don't know. Let's say American football. Actually, you know, the team that just won the, the Super Bowl, the Patriots in America. So they, you know, they're each player on their team, they were not all the best players. You know, one one of their quarterbacks, he's maybe one of the best ever, for sure. Probably maybe the best ever. But lots of other people on their team, they were not number one, right? They were not number one for their position. But somehow, all working together, they became the best team. Even though some other teams had more star players. Some other teams had better individuals, right? If you add up some of the other teams, you add up, you say, oh, well, they have more good players, right? Their players are higher level and they have more of them. So they must be the best team, but not always, not always. Sometimes some kind of magic happens when you have a, a synergy, right? When you have this combination and the combination becomes much bigger than you expect. That's synergy. I often will use the example of music. Some of you who like older music, like the Beatles. I'll use the Beatles. The Beatles are a good example. They're a perfect example. Um, those of you who are maybe my age or older, maybe know the Beatles. Some of you younger people might know the Beatles. But basically, the Beatles, you know, they were really great musicians and they made a lot of great songs together as a group, four people. Afterwards, after they broke up and then each one made their own music, right? They Each one got a different band. They hired other musicians. They hired other people to make a new band individually. You know, John and Paul and George and Ringo. But individually, they were not as good. Even when they had other, you know, of course they had help. They had, they made their new bands. But somehow there was an extra magic with them together. Why? How does this work? Synergy. Well, because sometimes, you know, you can have one person, they have a strong point and a weak point. And a different person, they have a different strong point and a different weak point. So when you put them together, it kind of balances, right? This person's strong, but where the other person's weak? This person's strong, where this person's weak? So together, they become super strong. It's that kind of balance. It's kind of magic. Um, this is a basic idea of marriages. Women and men. They're not the same, right? Women and men, of course, biologically different, right? Your bodies, but also mentally, emotionally different. But together, in a good marriage, in a good marriage <laughs> or a good relationship, together they can make something very special together. This marriage can be something that's much more than each one by themselves, individually. That's the idea of synergy. Synergy. The idea that some combinations are kind of magical. Some combinations are very powerful. And of course, some are not. But the ones that are powerful, we call that synergy or synergetic. Synergetic would be the uh, adjective synergetic or synergistic. Which one is it? Synergistic or synergetic? Synergistic, I think, actually, is the right word. They might both be words. So he says, how do we make this happen? How do we get this kind of magical teamwork to happen when we in groups of people? And he says that the writer, Stephen Covey, says the essence, the main part of it, of synergy is you must value differences, the differences, right? Everybody in the group is different. Everybody is unique. No equality. This is the opposite of equality. Nobody's equal. 
No two animals are equal. No two plants are equal. And definitely no two humans are equal. It's the opposite of that. Instead, you recognize nobody on the team is equal. Nobody on the team is the same. Everybody's a little different or maybe very different. Everyone has different strong points. Everyone has different weak points. Everyone has different personalities, different emotions. And that can be very good. As a leader, especially, you try to help everybody use their differences in a positive way, in a strong way. So the whole team becomes stronger. That's what synergy is. In this, in this situation, that's what synergy is. That's what he's talking about. It's synergistic is the correct word. I don't know why I said synergetic. <laughs> I've heard synergetic somewhere. But anyway, synergistic is the correct word for the adjective. Synergistic communication. Which he's basically saying the other habits we studied, that's how you do synergistic communication. Okay, now the rest, here's why we're going fast today. This chapter, a little disappointed with this chapter myself, because um, he does not really say very much in this chapter, honestly. Most of this chapter is filled with a lot of little stories about, you know, teaching in, him teaching in a classroom, him teaching at a business to give examples of synergy. But he really doesn't talk much more. Really, the basic idea of this chapter is very simple. I just said it. That's really all he says. He does not give a lot of, you know, detailed advice about how to do this. He just says it's good to do it. And that it's a, it's a good thing. We should, in our groups, value the differences and be creative, right? That He says that trying to make everybody the same is the opposite of synergy. If you try to make everybody agree all the time, if you try to make everybody the same all the time, then your teamwork becomes less. The power of your team, the power of your group becomes less. That's a bad, bad way to do it. It's not natural. It's not powerful. You know, so for example, easy example of this again, the marriage example. You've got a man and a woman. You don't want them to be the same, right? If you try to make them equal, which means same, if you try to make the woman act exactly like the man, the dad acts exactly like mom, they're exactly the same, ugh, then there's no power there. They're not helping each other. It's two people who are basically the same as one. It's actually weaker. It's the opposite of synergy. Instead, what you want to do is you want to respect the differences and, and use them together so that in some areas, the woman, the wife, the mom is stronger and better and more natural. Better at leading, better at taking action, understanding. And in other areas, the man, the husband, the father is better and stronger. And that's good because then they can each, you know, the, fa the father and the man can be strong in some areas where necessary. And then the woman, the mom, the wife can be strong in other areas and then they can work together. So now they're a team. Each one is adding something special to the marriage, to the relationship, to the family. That's much stronger, more powerful. If they're both the same, then they're both going to be weak, right? Because if you try to make a woman the same as a man, she'll be a bad man. Women are not good at being men. They do a really bad job at being men. They're just not good at it because they're not men. Right? And that's why you see a lot of feminists who, for example, who try to so hard to act tough and masculine. It's ridiculous. They just look stupid. They look foolish because they're not good at it. Because really, they'll never be as tough as a man. They'll never be physically as strong as a man. They just can't. They're not equal because they're not the same. And it's the same exact on the other side. A man who tries to be too much like a woman, too soft and gentle and nurturing all the time, and uh, that becomes kind of, uh, right? Because they also, they're not good at it. They're not, they'll never be as good as a woman can be in that area of life, right? Dad can never be mom, and mom can never be dad. Not completely, not as good. But that's great because nature has given us both, right? So now 
We have this great team. Now both are so strong and powerful in a good relationship. Of course, on bad teams, bad relationships, then both, of, both sides are fighting about their differences. They don't respect each other. They don't respect their differences. They're arguing. They want to be the same. They want to change the other person. They're fighting. That's bad leadership. That's bad teamwork. And of course, it's also common and it's a problem. But on great teams, great marriages, great sport teams, great business teams, you have all these different people and each one's special. And so each one feels special because they know they have something special to add to the team. They feel better individually and the whole team is stronger. So that's what he's saying. That's what this synergy means. I just gave you a better explanation than uh, the book. The book, honestly, this chapter is not very strong, I don't think. Too, too many little stories and not enough direct explanation. Let's see if there's anything else I want to say about this. Yeah, I just said that. And that's basically it. <laughs> All right, so I just explained habit number six. That's synergy. Let's go to habit number seven, the final habit. This one's also very simple. Some of you will know this from uh, another idea I talk about a lot, which is Kaizen, which is a Japanese word. And in English, I like Tony Robbins. Uh, Tony Robbins uses, he says, constant and never-ending improvement. That's what habit seven really is. Constant and never-ending improvement. It's making little, small improvements. It's constantly, you know, learning. Never-ending learning. You're always learning. You're always improving in all these areas. With all these habits in the important areas of your life, you never stop improving. You're always working. You're always working. So he calls it habit seven, sharpen the saw, S-A-W, saw. Now, of course, saw has a couple meanings. It's the past of C to C, but that's not what we're talking about. Here we're talking about a tool for cutting, right? It's something you use to cut wood, a saw. It's a noun, a saw, S-A-W. So he says, imagine you're, you're trying to cut some wood, a big piece of wood. You have a saw, right? and you're sawing it. It's also a verb. You're sawing the wood, but it's going very slowly. It's Something's wrong. You're not cutting the wood. It's very difficult. So then your friend comes and your friend says, oh, that saw is very old. It's not sharp. You need to sharpen the saw first. Then you will cut faster. And then, you know, you say, no, 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 I don't have time to sharpen the saw. I'll just keep going. And then he says, well, that's, you know, that's a kind of a crazy idea, right? Because you actually, if you would stop and sharpen the saw, take some extra time to sharpen the saw, then you can cut faster. Overall, in the long term, it's actually much faster than trying to keep going. This is his metaphor, right? His base, his, we can say, a metaphor or analogy. What does he mean? He means that each day you need to spend a little time improving yourself in all of these areas. That you don't focus too much on your goals short term and forget about your virtue. Don't forget about your character. Don't forget about making little improvements and keeping a good balance in life, right? Because sometimes we can focus too much on a goal. Let's say we have one goal about money, 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 and then we forget about our health. We forget about our spiritual practice, religion. We forget about our emotions. We forget about our relationships because we're too focused on money, 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 right? It's out of balance. So he's saying that each day we have to work on these important areas of life a little bit, not a lot, just a little each day. Now, which areas? He talks about four areas. He, you know, you could maybe say five areas. Up to you, really. He identifies four. 
right here. So physical, your body, your health, basically. Spiritual, so your connection to God, spiritual, you know, religious. Number three, mental, so that's learning, knowledge. Number four, he calls social, emotional. You could even say those are two different ones, so you could say they're five. Social means your relationships, your important relationships with other people. And emotional, right, your your emotions, your feelings. So he's saying that each day you need to improve in these areas, take care of each of these areas. That's obvious, I think. And then he gives just a quick description. I can just tell you, I think, easily. We don't have to read through it all. Physical means your health. So that means every day you need to take care of your body, right? That means eating well and exercising. Simple. Everybody knows this. We all know this, okay? It's just don't forget it. He's just saying, don't forget it because sometimes we forget because we focus on something else too much. We get busy at work. We start eating badly. We get busy at work. We stop exercising. Right? So that's just dangerous, he says. Be careful. Even if you do a little bit, just take care of these important areas every day. Spiritual, this is your, you know, relationship to God or meaning, purpose. Um, he talks about, I mean, actually, it's interesting because he says the two things that I also recommend. Uh, number one, uh, meditation and prayer and reading ancient books. I just talked about this in my audio podcast. So it depends on whatever your religion or whatever your spiritual practice each day, you know, read from those important books. Pray and meditate. Very simple. And then he also says... You can also read great literature, right? Those great old stories like the Iliad, like the Odyssey, the Mahabharata. You know, you get the idea. The songs, of, the Song of Roland, those kind of old great books. That's spiritual. Hey, good. So do that every day, even just a little bit. Do that every day. So take care of your body every day eating and exercise, take care of your spirit every day, your soul. Next, mental. Here he's talking about learning. So he's basically saying lifelong learning, never stop learning. In this section, he says that, you know, too many people, they think learning means school. So they go to school and after, when they finish school, they graduate, they stop learning. They don't, they stop reading books. They stop studying and he says, don't do that. You've got to learn for your whole life. Keep learning your whole life, your entire life. Good advice also. And finally, social, emotional. And here he's saying, you know, work every day. Try to practice these habits, right? You know, these social habits, communication habits, relationship habits. You know, like the ones we learn. You know, listen, understand first, then be understood be proactive. You know, all these things we learned in the book. And that's all. Just keep doing it. And he says, if you do this, you'll find, you'll be on the upward spiral. It's a, a phrase I like, the upward spiral. A spiral is a circle that just keeps going around and around and around, right? So an upward spiral, it means you keep going up and up and up and up. You keep improving a little bit in each area. Each improvement brings you higher, which makes you want to improve more, and then you go higher. So it's just this up, up, up. You keep Your life keeps getting better and better and better and better. And that is all. That is, there's like a last little bit, but um, basically that's the end of the book. We have finished another book. How many books have we done? We did uh, Animal Farm was our first book. We did The Alchemist. We did Rich Dad, Poor Dad. This is number four. Not bad. Excellent. All right, let's go to the live comments and questions and let's see what you all think. All right, Ramesh. Mina Sebak has a nice comment. 
We have to accept that on large-scale businesses, working together is an essential phenomenon, right? It's, it's essential. It's important. Growth and companionship cannot be separated. Working together is difficult if we let it happen to be difficult. We need to develop the tendency, right, the habit of working together. It's impossible to achieve big goals for example, developing a restaurant, a factory, banking, and many more. You can't do that alone. You have to have other people. For any kind of large business, this is absolutely true. Even very, very small business, you still have to work with, you still have to understand your customers. Working together with shared thoughts provides the success we need. Yep, that's right. Nice. Okay, Bari says, Hi AJ, is it right that some leaders or bosses of a company in the world can't control their emotions when they're angry at employees if they make a mistake, even employees who are good contributors? Uh, yeah, it's not great, right? It's kind of childish, really. I, I, don't, I think it's a bad sign of leadership um, when a boss just goes crazy and is always... Ah! gets so upset and angry every time there's a mistake or a problem. It's a sign of uh, really weakness, right? No self-discipline, no emotional control. It makes me, it, you know, if I'm an employee, it would make me nervous. I'll give you an example of this. Gab, G-A-B, Gab, Gab.com. You know, it's a social media. It's like Twitter. So I'm a member of Gab. I support Gab because they're strong with free speech. And, you know, overall, I'm, I, I, I hope Gab succeeds. However, Gab's CEO, he's like this. He's always, he's very, very emotional. He reacts very emotionally, uh, very strongly whenever there are problems or something. And, uh, you know, it's not good. It, 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 like my confidence in Gab goes down every time he does that. I think most employees, they also, their confidence in the leader goes down when the leader is ah, ah, too emotional. It's not, it doesn't, it's, it's not good leadership, I don't think. You know, sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes uh, if the situation is serious, sometimes it's kind of good to be angry or even just pretend to be angry. Sometimes it's effective, but, you know, when it's frequent and about small stuff, yeah, I agree. Nobody likes that. It's it's not good. It's not good emotional control. Fernanda says, constant and never-ending learning. Learning is a process that never ends. The true learning starts after school, after the end, like you said in your podcast this week. Yep, that's right. Exactly right. I agree 100%. Okay, I'm getting already getting suggestions for our next book, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Tata, good book. Yes, I'll consider that a book. I haven't decided yet. I don't know what book we'll do next. I'm not sure, but you can send me your suggestions. I already have a, a list of uh, books I'm thinking about, but send me your ideas too, and we'll choose one. Usually, um. After we finish a book, I'll wait a few weeks and we'll talk about it and I'll think about it and I'll research a few books and then we'll pick a new one. So we have a few weeks now to think about it. All right. Rafiko has a comment about Steve Jobs. I believe Synergy was a key approach that Steve Jobs used to create the Apple empire. It seems Steve Jobs was exceptionally, I mean very, very good at identifying greatness in others. Yeah. Connecting people and inspiring them to find unique new solutions to challenges, to problems. Under his watch, there was rapid product uh, line evolution and innovation. Yes, and you'll find this is true for most, you know, really great leaders that they are good at finding greatness in other people. And they're great at creating teams of where 
one person's greatness helps another person's greatness, right? And they, they get them to work creatively together. This is also the same in sports with great coaches. I mentioned, you know, the team, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. They have probably the greatest ever coach in American football. Bill Belichick is his name. He's a genius. He's an incredible coach. He's like the Steve Jobs of American football. Steve Jobs. We can see what happened. After Steve Jobs, Apple's not the same. They're just not the same. You know, mostly after Steve Jobs, Apple just keeps creating the same products, right? They're just updating the same stuff now. They're not creating anything amazing anymore. Nothing like, wow, this is so new and innovative. And, you know, I used to be a big Apple fan, but they, they have changed so much since Steve Jobs. Now they're getting more into politics, you know, like left-wing politics. Um, their creativity is going down. It's just not the same. You know, they still make pretty good computers and things. They're still not bad, but it's just not as amazing as with Steve Jobs. But And that's the difference, right? Steve Jobs was understood this, how to create this synergy. He was a genius at that. Because remember, you know, Steve Jobs didn't design all of the computers, right? But he got, he put together these amazing teams and he led them too, so that they worked together well. And Maria with a comment about teamwork, it's very difficult to gather a good team. Yeah, it is difficult. I agree. Some people always want to quit. Some people become lazy or weak, especially young people are not responsible. I've had similar experience. Yeah, if it was easy, then, right, everybody would do it. So that's why these great leaders are great. Uh, you know, I'll get, you know, again, back to that football coach, Bill Belichick. One, you know, he is so great and he's very good about this. He, everybody on that team, he, you know, he has to follow his rules. He doesn't care about superstars. You know, in sports, many times, in a lot of teams in sports, the superstar player, right, the top player, the star player, they will get a special treatment from the coach. The coach is nicer to the big star, right? The star gets all this special treatment. But on, like, the Patriots, for example, their top star, he's super, super famous. He's maybe one of the best ever, same rules. The coach still criticizes him exactly like every other player. And there's been a lot of um, stories about this. And even the star player, he talks about this, how, yeah, he says, you know, I don't, he says, I get, the coach criticizes me just as much as every other player. I'm not special on the team. I mean, everybody knows he's special, but, right, he, he can't have a big ego. He can't be like, you know, I'm the big star. I'm the celebrity. He can't do that. Now, also on that team, no laziness. If someone's lazy, they cut. They're fired from the team very quickly, very quickly. If somebody's selfish on the team, they also get fired, even if they're a star. So again, this coach, Bill Belichick, in the past... He has fired top players, superstar players. He has fired them or cut them. People, everyone thought he was crazy. What are you doing? How can you cut this person? This is one of your top players. But he cut the person because they were too selfish. They were not working together with the team. So he cut them. He didn't care. He didn't care if they're... He's like, everybody has to be good with teamwork. Everybody has to work hard. Everybody has to help the team. I don't care if you're a star. I don't care if you're just, you know, kind of one of the bottom guys. If you're lazy, if you don't work hard, if you have big ego, cut. You're gone. So that's what great leaders do. But, it, but Maria is correct. It is very hard. I mean, it's hard first. You've got to find all these good people. You've got to recruit them and find them and hire them. And then you've got to keep them and train them. And then if some of them get big, you've got to keep their egos small. I mean, it's, it isn't easy, okay? That's why it is, you know, a, a big challenge to lead groups and teams. It definitely is. All right, let's keep going. Um, 
Um, okay, here's a question. I think this is basically a book recommendation. I want to learn how to start my own business. I don't want to work for anybody else. What do you recommend? Well, you should um, listen to our, my past uh, shows, lessons about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I, a lot of those uh, videos I talked about starting your own business and some of the basic ideas. So start with that. The law says, um, a lot of learners nowadays lack self-confidence and by their power they get promoted. Then they act like they, they've got everything and they forget where they came from. They forget they're like other people. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, like with the sports, right? American football. This is the when, when somebody rises up in the team to be like at the top of the team, like a superstar in sports. Sometimes their their ego gets really big and they don't care about the team anymore. They just care about themselves. That's bad. That's not synergy. That's bad teamwork because everybody else in the team will start to get angry about that person. And this superstar becomes too selfish. They start to hurt the team. So it, it's tough, but you have to do something about that if you're a leader. You talk to them, you knock them down so they're not quite the big ego. Or if you have to, if necessary, you cut them, you fire them. Kong Kong, I want to grow my virtue. What should I do if somebody keeps asking me to teach their children, but they don't want to pay me any money? <laughs> Tell them no. Say no. Of course not. You say, you know, I don't know if you have a business and you're trying to uh, do this or or these are people just asking because you, uh, you know, I don't know what your situation is. If you have a business, you, you just tell people your price. You say, you know, I'll, look, my I charge this much. And then they can say yes or they say no. Oh, that's interesting. This is an interesting suggestion. Very different than our other books. I would like the next book to talk about painting and art. Hmm. That's an interesting suggestion. I personally don't know much about those topics. The only book I know about these, well, it's not really painting, but I, uh, a very practical book about learning to draw. But, um, hmm. I'll think about that. If you have a book you can recommend, please tell me. That is an area far outside my strong points. <laughs> All right, keeping going here. All right, um, okay, here's another sports example. Pep, right, very famous. Pep uh, Guardiola is successful at Man City, Manchester City, by making his players do his rule. Right, and you'll see this again and again with the really top coaches in all different sports. So, you know, here we're talking about soccer, American football, basketball. It doesn't really matter. Business. Uh, that you'll see, you'll find this is true usually, especially the ones who are successful Many different years, not just one time, not just one season, but year after year. You know, Pep was successful at Barcelona, and now he's successful again at Man City. Now, of course, he's got great players and a ton of money at both places, but um, you know, but but he also has big egos. He's dealing with big superstars. That's the challenge for you know. That's a different kind of leadership challenge, teamwork. You know, it on one hand, sometimes if you maybe a team you have no superstars, none in business or sports. Well, that's a challenge because the other teams have better players. So now your team must be very good at teamwork. You really, really have to work together well to beat those better superstars. That's a challenge, but it is possible. Right? Like I said, I think the Patriots this year in American football, they were not the they did not have all the best players. I don't think so. But they had the best teamwork and the best coaches. And so they won. On the other hand, another challenge is when you have a lot of superstars. And you'll see this in sports a lot, too. Maybe Man City is an example of this. Uh, Barcelona. You know, a lot of those big 
uh, premier teams, uh, big Spanish teams. In baseball, in American baseball, the Yankees are always an example of this. They have lots and lots of money and they go buy all these superstars. And everybody thinks, oh, of course, they're going to win. They're going to be champions, but not always. Many, many, many times they do not. Why? Because they have too many big egos. This is also a big problem for leadership, for the coach, because too many egos, they all become selfish. They don't work together. So this becomes a different kind of leadership challenge. And you need a good coach to keep the egos down and to make these superstars focus on teamwork, not be so selfish. That also requires some special coaching, some special ability. And people like Pep are good at that. Good example. Yeah, and then Kayla follows up, selfish people are the hardest to work with. We can never have a good work team with this kind of person. Yeah, I agree. If I had to choose, I'd rather choose uh, regular people who were good at teamwork, who really, really worked hard and worked together and fight, fight, fight really hard to, to succeed together. Great team. That's, I prefer that. I think that's better. I think it's easier to succeed. If you have a lot of people who are selfish, even if they're superstars, uh, it's, it's quite difficult. Of course, it's nice to have both. <laughs> if you can have superstars who focus on the team, they're not selfish, that's the best. Of course. Alexander with a nice way to say this. One person isn't a warrior in a battlefield. Right, right? This is true. You think of a battle in war. One person can't win. It's impossible. They're not going to win. It's, it's right. Any, think of any battle, any war. It's large numbers of people working together. And that's, of course, true for team sports. So soccer, one person's not going to beat 11. Unless the 11 are little children or something. <laughs> Oh, here's a nice example of Lord of the Rings, one of my favorite books. Raphael again. Another great example of synergy is Peter Jackson's production of Lord of the Rings. He made three movies in 15 months with a team of 350 people. Everyone contributed tremendously with lots of creativity and passion. Yeah, good example. Very good example. That's right. Yeah. I mean, those movies are so big. One person can't do everything. Peter Jackson cannot make the costumes, right? And and the buildings and and coach the actors and write the script. It's no way one person can do all that. All right, let's see, continuing on. Okay, another uh, rough column recommends The Old Man and the Sea for our next book. That one's already on my list. Good book. Muhammad says hello from Bangladesh. Leicester City won the Premier League. Yeah, mm hmm. Okay, my Vuong says, Hi, AJ, I've learned with you for three years. It's extremely good to improve my English speaking, but my writing is still bad. Well, writing is the last skill to focus on. You know, if, you're, if you're happy with your speaking now, I recommend that you start to do a lot more reading. Start reading books. Reading, reading, reading a lot of books. And start doing more writing. Just, you know, like a blog or something. Just just in a relaxed way, start focusing more and more on writing. You'll get better. Cicid says, AJ, how are you? What is the advantage of working together? Well, as... Uh, we kind of... You know what? Earlier comment. Who said that before? Oh, it was Ramesh, yeah. Said, um, you know, some things can only be done with teams. Not everything, though. You know, it's interesting because some projects in life, right, some goals in life, some projects, some 
things you want to do. Some are better to do alone. You'll, you'll be better, more effective, higher quality doing it alone. And other things you must do as a team. So it's just it just depends in life, right? So an example of alone, something that's better alone, um, often music or art. You know, so for example, Beethoven, let's say his Ninth Symphony, beautiful, amazing symphony, he wrote it alone. If he tried to have a team of 10 people helping him with that, probably the quality would have gone down, right? We call this, you know, it's, it's, it's the weakness of teams that especially with creative things, they actually make things worse. That sometimes one genius, one person who's focused and motivated and very, very good is better. Writing a book, same thing, right? Better alone usually. Music, of course, depends. Sometimes we do have, like, the Beatles. But even with the Beatles, I think mostly they wrote alone. They wrote, but they would help each other. So sometimes, right, a small team is better. But with Beethoven, Mozart, I think alone was better. Writing books, um, even sometimes some very small businesses. My business, for example, is mostly a one-person business. Everest English is mostly one person. I have a few people that help me with some small tasks, but all the teaching, I do it. And I think it's better because of that. But on the other hand, we have other situations where you must have a team. Apple Computer, for example, the, com the company. Steve Jobs could not do that alone. Impossible. Much, much, much too big, too complicated. No way one person could create Apple. So that absolutely required a team. Right? So teams help when you're trying to do things very large like that, especially in business. Um, so there are many areas in life. You know, we recommend the military. All these lots and lots of areas require more than one person so they require teamwork so some you just have to you've got to figure out different areas of life well is this better for me to do alone or do i need a team will it be better to have a team parenting is another example much better with a team in fact parenting when you have children of course, it's best to have mom and dad, not just one person. But it's even better if you have grandparents and uncles and aunts and cousins helping too. Much, much, much better. Even better. So a team helps a lot. Okay. Oh, people reminding me that Leicester City won the premiership. Great. And see, they were not the top team. They were not the superstar team that year. Okay, just looking for some more comments here. Um, someone's asking about English. Hi, hi, What's the most important rule to improve our English skill? What should I make more? Can you advise? I have seven rules. Go to my website, effortlessenglishclub.com. There's actually seven rules to follow. Or get, get my book. It explains everything. Okay, Monica following up with her art recommendation. A book about an artist, the life of an artist, such as Picasso, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, etc. Yeah, that could be interesting. We'll look into it. And finally, one more book recommendation. How about The Leader with No Title for the next book? That sounds like a business book. I think I've heard of it. I haven't read it, so I'll think about it. I have to check it out. Send me on gab, gab.com, or Twitter. 
send me a message with your book recommendations for our next book if you have some. I have some ideas already, but if you have suggestions, please send them to me on social media. My account on both of those is my name, AJ Hogue, A-J-H-O-G-E, A-J-H-O-G-E on gab.com and on Twitter also. Okay, Dalal says, Coach, being an introvert and an extrovert, what's the difference between them? You know, generally, the kind of general idea of this is that, you know, an extrovert is outgoing. They're very social, right? They love talking with other people and being in big groups of people, going to parties, right? Social, social, outgoing. And an introvert's typically are more quiet. They prefer to be just with a few people. They don't like large groups, right? A little more shy, maybe. Some people think of a little feeling more shy. It's a general idea between those two words. But in both cases, it's possible to still, you know, to be part of a team. All right, Claudio, do you think it's a good idea to watch movies in English? Yes, I had a whole video about that. Go to my YouTube channel or just go to my blog, EffortlessEnglishClub.com, the blog. Go to the menu in the bottom or at the top. There's a menu. Just click on blog. You have to go. It's a little bit older video I did, but I did a whole video about using movies to learn English. It's called The Movie Technique. Yes, it can be very helpful. Okay, it looks like we're getting more into some... Okay, so do you have... Okay, here's another question about introvert. Do you think introverts have the better ability to lead? I think it's just different. You know, introverts can still be leaders, but they are often different kinds of leaders. Um, You know, I I myself am quite an introvert, actually. (laughs) Not an extrovert. I think, you know, this is just my opinion. There may be other possibilities also, but I find that, for example, as an introvert myself, I do very well as a leader. So a leader, but I'm not a good manager. I'm a terrible manager. Okay. What's the difference? Leader is kind of giving the big ideas, inspiring the whole group or the whole team, right? Choosing the big strategy, the big directions, right? It's that very high-level kind of leadership. Management is the everyday, right? Everyday with the team, being like kind of coaching each day, checking everybody on the team, making sure, checking that everyone, checking everyone is doing work they need to do, right? Punishing people who are not doing the work. Rewarding people who are doing the work. Kind of the smaller details, that kind of thing. They're both very important for, for a group. But um, I think extroverts do better in the management position. Because they are, they're always walking around, always talking, always connecting with people. They know what's going on every single day. Um, they can also be good leaders. I think introverts, at least I know for me... I have a hard time in the management position because I just don't like all that talking and can all the time. <laughs> it just stresses me out. But I love, uh, I do very well as a public speaker and performing and focusing on the big ideas and the big goals and all of that. Basically what I do with Effortless English. So I think uh, if you're an introvert, focus on that area maybe. Um, that's probably where you can be stronger. That's just my opinion. Carol with a comment about teamwork. Sometimes when working in a team, other people's ideas force you to step out of your comfort zone. Yep. You then have to show creativity. Maybe think in another way. Seek new solutions. That's how you learn and grow. Yeah, now this is the positive side of teamwork, of a good team. Exactly. This is exactly what this... We just talked about with the book. Um, on a good team, this is what happens. On a good team, you're challenged in a good way, right? Because 
um, maybe normally you have your habits. You normally do something in the same way. You're comfortable, right? But then on a team, someone else has a very different idea. You didn't think about it. And you're like, oh, well, I don't know. And that suddenly get, makes you start to think of new ideas, right? You, you become more creative. And then you share your new ideas. Then the other person, oh, now they're a little surprised, right? Because you're giving them new ideas. And then they think. And then they're more creative. And it can be up, 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 up in this way. But you have to have that respect, you know, that respectful team where everyone respects each other, where everybody is special and different, where everybody is working hard for the team and cooperating. They're not trying to be selfish. They're not being lazy. It's hard to find those great teams, but it's, a, it's wonderful when you do because uh, this is exactly what happens. You know, when in the past, when I was younger and worked in jobs, um, yeah, most of the jobs I worked at, the teams were not very good. It was kind of more negative. I didn't didn't enjoy it. But I can think of at least one job that I where I worked where they did have this kind of team, and it was my favorite job. Bef- you know, before I became a teacher and became more independent. Um, and that's why is this kind of thing it was really great it's wonderful to be on a team that's good it's a very nice experience right I, I think if you had this experience in sports or in working or something uh, or in your family it's great it's really wonderful I mean we all want to be part of that you know we're humans are social naturally and we love to be part of a healthy great team It's a great, great, great experience. It's a very happy experience. The problem is the negative teams, the bad teams, the bad leadership, the the teams that have lazy members, the teams that have selfish members or unfriendly members, the teams that have bad leaders or weak leaders. Those are terrible, right? It's the exact opposite. It's a very unhappy experience. This is true. So it's, you know, it can be great or it can be quite terrible. Right, and then Noor um, Edin is, is giving another example, kind of a metaphor here for teamwork. Um, we can't enjoy music with just one note. We have a lot of notes, a lot of instruments to make that beautiful music, right? So in a symphony, let's say, you know, again, like the, the Beethoven example, you know, you've got the, the different horns, you've got the violins, you've got the cellos, right? And they're all doing different things, but they're working together in such a beautiful way, and it's amazing. That's what a great team is. It's the same idea, but instead of instruments, it's people. So yes, so wonderful, like a family where all the family members are working together like that, and each one's different. Not the same, different. Not equal, different. But working together beautifully. That's fantastic. It's, it's amazing. Whereas sameness, if everybody's just the same, it's ugly, right? It's not music. It's just... That's not music, right? It's just one note exactly the same all the time. If you have a hundred people just going... It's, it's ugly, <laughs> right? You need the variety. This is nature. This is natural. We can look at nature. Nothing's the same. Even two trees, the same kind of tree, two oak trees, they're different. If you really look at them, their shape is different. The size is different. They're completely different. They're unique. They're similar, but different. And that is beautiful when it works together. When everything's working together, it's beautiful. When instead they're going against each other, then it can become difficult and ugly and unhappy. So that's the trick of, um, that's the, the challenge, really, the hard, difficult challenge of leadership and teams and groups is getting them to have that synergy, that cooperation, right, where it's something beautiful instead of something ugly. Joey says, I learned English by AJ's method. You're the one. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
All right, I think we are about finished. Yep, all right. I think we're done. So what are we going to do? I'll probably do a live show again next week, but I'll just choose a topic. So no book club. We'll just do a, I don't know. I have no idea what the topic will be, but I'll choose one. And we might do that for maybe a couple weeks. I'll just choose topics, um, just anything I want to talk about. And we'll, so we'll still do some, still be able to do live video, just talk about something else. And then, um, then we'll find a new book. So again, send me your suggestions for a book you would like to learn with us, with the book club. All right. Well, lots of love to you. Enjoyed uh, doing this book with you. Hope you enjoyed this book. And we'll move on to the next one. Of course, remember, listen to my audio podcast because I do audio podcasts during the week. All right. As always, go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. That's where you join my VIP program. You've got to commit to that. And that's really where the training, the English training for your speaking happens. It's in my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. That's where you really learn to and train to speak English fluently, speak English confidently, speak English effortlessly. All right. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Commit at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Go over there now.